good, eh, you great galore? Yeah, I don't, I don't think I could keep up the Aussie accent for the entire show. It'd probably melt all of my available brain cells. Howdy doody. Good day to my Aussie neighbours out there. I mean, some of them do have rocks or brains. Uh, but there's some lovely ones out there. It's all a little bit of boshing and banter between, uh, between us uh, English and the Antipodeans down under. It's lovely to be here. It's Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. It's uh, it's actually uh, episode number... Oh, I mean, I do take notes and tally. Let's just see. Uh, just excuse me a moment. No, it's 63. Episode 63. I'm sorry about that. Just a little, a little wee interlude there. Um, it is, it's smashing to have you here. It's um, one of those transitional Saturday afternoons where it's actually feeling quite warm uh, here in Colorado. Um, that's where Chappie Towers is, by the way. And you can always reach me on a postcard. Uh, you know, if you ever have to send me any messages and tell me to bugger off or uh, shut up, you pompous ass, or any of those uh, lovely greetings that I sometimes get. Uh, you can put it on a postcard, but you know I only accept postcards with the Queen's head on a stamp. That's the only way that they can get to me. It's like Santa Claus when you're putting uh, a letter up the chimney, or, or maybe the Tooth Fairy. Um, you know, the, <clears throat> the the English did always did very well with the Tooth Fairies, but their teeth are not quite so good. I don't know about our Antipodean cousins. Do Aussies have good teeth or not? I mean, that's... I don't know. I never really looked into an Aussie's mouth, but I'm always fearful of some sort of bite back or something like that. Uh, but here we are again. Snow on its way. Um, and, uh, and you know, trying to get through another sort of COVID weekend, basically. And this is what I'm here for. I'm, 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 like, a, I'm like a comfort blanket for you. A lot of heavy lifting today. Uh, a box of a thousand tea bags had to be carried into Chappie Towers today. I mean, I nearly put my back out. It's 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 considerable weight of tea uh, because I, you know I drink it by the gallonful. I mean, I really do. I mean, I always have a brew on a big pot, a big teapot. Um, but I'm not a little teapot short and stout. Here's my hand or here's my spout. No, none of that. It's, it's, it's a sizable pot, a uh, big spout, and, uh, and tea always on the go. Um, but, uh, but, but it's smashing to, to, to know you're out there. And uh, we're doing, as I said to you, we're doing rather well in Japan. I mean, it's probably, I mean, no disrespect to our Japanese cousins, but they probably just don't understand. You know, if they don't, if they don't speak English, it probably sounds better if you don't speak English as a podcast, I would say. But welcome along, wherever you are, um, whether you're listening at night, morning, noon, maybe, maybe, maybe this podcast sort of revs up people for a nooner. I'd love that. Of all the times, I'd love it if, 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 if you just pop this podcast on as a, as a little uh, aperitif before a nooner. I mean, that would be fantastic. If, 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 if my voice is stirring the loins of the world then I, I'm, I'm a happy man i can sort of probably retire and just stop the podcast right now 
and say my, my work indeed is done. I am now the soundtrack for Anuna. Chappie, the Nuna soundtrack. And um, some of the things that we may or may not be discussing on the podcast today, and as always, it's a packed show. We didn't get round to too much yesterday, um, but we are playing a game of uh, Jumper Jenga. Now, um, when I say when I say uh, Jumper Jenga, I'm not talking about a bunch of man babies being stacked up in like baby grow jumper outfits. Uh, no, I mean that would be a fun game. There's, there's many a many a man baby here in Colorado. I saw one probably about an hour ago. It was very moody, very rude. Wouldn't open the door for a lady, and uh, and and very loud. I mean, he he hadn't brought his wallet. I mean, what does he expect me to pay for it? His food, but he hadn't brought his wallet, and uh, and he wanted everybody to know. I mean, him and his girlfriend were so loud. I mean, it's like they were performing in some sort of, uh, you know, West End or Broadway one-act play that made it to the first night and then were booed off stage. That's basically what it was. Um, but no, it's not... When, J- Jumper Jenga's not stacked up man babies. Um, when you pull one man baby out and see which one falls down, and it... No, no, no. I'm going into my closet. I'm not coming out of the closet. I, I never frequent <laughs> the closet. But I'm, I'm actually going to the closet and I'm going to be removing some of my sweaters. And um, whichever sweater causes the whole pile to tumble, you know, let's get ready to tumble, that's what it's going to be, then uh, then whatever sweater uh, you know, brings down the whole heap falling down like Humpty Dumpty is the one that I'm going to donate. You know, but I probably need to get rid of some of these sweaters here. So, um, so yeah, so we have that, Jumper Jenga. His jumpers are what we call sweaters in the UK. Um, also, um, you know, we've got the second mystery in the mist uh, part two. What did my parents see through the mist? I mean, it's, it's it's causing a great sort of consternation and panic and a lot of heartburn amongst people, I believe. But they're just wondering what this is going to be. Will this be some hound-like apparition? Will it be uh, Pennywise from it? I mean, could it be uh, the Mary Celeste? Could Lord Lucan be in the mist? I mean, it, it, there's so many, so many different uh, possibilities here. And also, um, my parents would, you know, obviously fascinating times in lockdown here. They were talk, telling me how best to scrub the floor. And I'm going to reveal this to you. I mean, you know, uh, cleanliness is next to godliness, they say. And uh, th- th- this is my parents. They're very, very clean people. You know, th- that generation, the baby boomer generation, they were thrifty. You know, as I said before, they darned socks. Um, they, uh, they, 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 they reused, um, reused everything, basically. You know, I think it was, they, you know, they, they, they reused curtains over 30 or 40 years. They actually used um, uh, newspapers in the, uh, in, in the bathroom, the outdoor bathrooms. The toilets outside i mean it was the uh, and then the honey cart came along and, and got rid of it all i think we may have talked about on a former podcast but uh, but yeah so they know how to clean better than anybody else so maybe revealing those secrets uh, later in the podcast here um also uh you know we we we, we didn't uh, we, we were talking last week about possibly the scotsman out there with their sporins sprinkling salts doing some sort of scottish sword dance we had that last week on the podcast but people are very obsessed here 
you know, about, you know, you get two inches of snow and, and they've got a huge, uh, like, snowplow. Uh, a petrol-driven, gas-driven snowplow. And then they have an assortment of snow shovels, you know, for every, for every season, for every level of snow. So a motorized, petrol-driven, gas-driven snowplow and an assortment of different snow shovels. I mean, why does one need all of this? Anyway, we're going to be digging into that. I may have found something better than Yak Tracks. Not that I'm, you know, trying these items on, but they could be better than Yak Tracks. We never talked about dog booties. We never talked about the bearded bear bros who are messaging me on Instagram here. Uh, are you going commando in the cold weather and in lockdown? Have you thrown away your knickers? Well, possibly. You may have done. I mean, if you have, there's a you know, there's some there's some uh, rules of the cleaning here that you need to incorporate before um, before uh, going commando. I think probably. Do you, are you getting um, you know the the the, the jealousy that on Instagram and Facebook? You know the fear of missing out, the FOMO. Um, you know, seeing people all around the world. I mean, there seem to be people vacationing and, and, and going on travel. And then everybody else seems to be in lockdown. How is this happening here? Um, but th- it, is, it is occurring, I promise you. Um, and then some of the other things that we may or may not be uh, discussing this week. Uh, remote workers find a warm tummy beats the winter chill. Uh, hunkering down in a world of whiteness. Um and then uh, we may have uh, we may have our old friend Percy Grower coming in uh, on how not to kill your houseplants, a guide to indoor gardening. Now, Percy is obviously a grower, not a shower. And that's his last name. It's Percy Grower. And um, it's an asteroid. Is it a comet? No, it's a high-tech relic of an extraterrestrial civilization. Uh, Andrew Cotter, who did um, the, the two-story about the uh, Labradors up in Scotland, uh, that uh, the easy uh, sports commentator is commentating on all this, uh, all their activities during lockdown, and he had a book out. Um, he's given his uh, sort of survival guide for a puppy's first year. Um, have you, are you trapped in a vortex of forgotten passwords? Maybe you are. Maybe maybe this is this is uh, this is something that you cannot escape from. I know it's something in my case. Um, half of British couples sleep apart because of annoying bedroom habits. Apparently, we're going to be looking at that. We'll have some more trumble trombone. Well, we really do, you know, scrape the gutter of the worst headlines of the week and uh, equate them to a trump or indeed a, a, a trombone. We have an enigmatic English eccentric habit as well. Uh, I don't know if we're going to be opening the Anglo, uh, the antique Anglo art this week. And looking at some of uh, yesteryear's uh, antique items that everybody had in the 70s and 80s. Whether it's food items, items around the house, old plants, maybe a certain type of wallpaper. But everybody seemingly had the same types of items lying around the houses in the uh, 1960s and 70s. And 80s indeed. And then, now what's Harry doing now? He's been stripped of his titles. Is he just like uh, couch surfing at the moment? Is he just watching box sets, uh, maybe painting his toenails? I mean, he's obviously at his own. He's obviously at his own whim now, or at the whim of Megan. So, I mean, what sort of things is he, is he up to here? Now he's been stripped of all his duties. 
Is he just sitting around in some uh, maybe uh, embossed um, uh, sweatpants with the uh, with the uh, Windsor family crest on or something along those lines? Uh, is he is he growing out a big old ginger beard for lockdown? I don't think Megan would allow that, would she? Uh, but uh, but but they you know and I, they haven't they've look I'm pumping out two podcasts a week. They've done one podcast in three months. I mean, what's going on here? I mean, it's it's really I think. Uh, Harry needs to have an elderflower uh, Red Bull, if there's one of those that exists, and he needs to uh, get on it, and they need to start recording more content and more material. So remote workers find a warm tummy beats the winter chill. Just when we thought we had all the kit needed to survive an eternity of lockdowns uh, across the world, the cold and snowy snapper sent people flocking online to find clothes and gadgets to ward off frostbite. Uh, during the first lockdown, sales of desk chairs, computer monitors, webcams and keyboards soared. Two lockdowns later, home workers faced freezing fingers in the UK and soaring heating bills. This appears to have led to an online rush for microwavable slippers, fan heaters, vests, fleecy hoodies and Japanese belly warmers. Is that, an, is that another one of those slightly obscure Asian euphemisms? I don't know. Um, so the, the, these... Belly warmers are a tube of cloth that covers the midriff, apparently. Uh, Nuku Nuku, a leading seller of the garment, said its sales have reached a record level over the past month. The company has seen sales quadruple in the first six weeks of the year. I'm having to rethink how I can keep up with the stock, Catherine Brown, the company founder, said. People said they're buying them as they get so cold while working from home or homeschooling uh, the kids. Teachers have also said they use them too, but their schools uh, have asked to keep the windows open to uh, you know freshen up things because of covid she said that one customer an artist fits hers under a chunky jumper the turtle does company uses discarded cashmere jumpers to make wrist warmers it's registered a 53 percent rise in sales last month compared to a year ago people have really appreciated the wrist warmers to allow them to keep typing while working at home uh, primrose a gardening supply firm has seen two or three times more interest than normal in its range of heated clothing this week, Regetta, the outdoor clothing company, has seen a um, huge increase of sales in the heated jacket selection. Uh, and then, uh, then Alexander Baines Buffery from Dorking wears a, a gilet with a battery pack uh, while homeschooling his children. My wife likes the heating low. I think she grew up in a barn. And Laura Poots, the uh, tax barrister from South London, has bought slippers with a microwavable gel insert that provides three hours of heat to chilly toes. I mean, I bet it's I bet it's a little bit I bet it's a little bit hot to begin with. When you first uh, put your put your pinkies in there, uh, you, you, it could uh, it could be end up like a roast trotter or something along those lines. Um, but also, I'm thinking about I have and I've mentioned this on the podcast before. I have um, I have the issue where my uh, sweaters aren't always long enough. You know, this is the problem that I often have, and. Uh, and that sort of midriff warmer would be perfect. If I could get one of the same uh, the same sort of color of the sweater, I don't think anybody would know the difference. So we now go and join Percy Grower in his potting shed. Over to you, Percy. I'll do. It's, uh, it's Percy Grower here. Hope you're in a good afternoon. And I would like to talk to you today about uh, how not to kill your houseplants and are going to indoor gardening. So we've got care and placement. Most indoor foliage plants prefer bright rooms. 
but avoid direct sunlight. The exceptions are cacti and succulents. They dislike draughts, fluctuations and temperatures, so avoid allowing them to touch windows or sit too close to radiators. Most require warmth and minimum temperatures around 10 to 13 degrees Celsius. In old money, that's about 65 degrees Fahrenheit. And when you water them, the majority of the deceased indoor plants have been overgrown and killed by overwatering. Oh, the leaves are going brown and go water it again. Being the classic scenario. The general rule though, water evenly and evenly using the room temperature. Ideally, rainwater is the best of all. And we're going to look at one of our rarest trees at the moment. It's called a shag bark. A large tree found in the east coast of the United States and Canada. And they grow up to 100 foot tall. And in Latin, it's caryavata. And it's a shag bark. I do love the uh, nature notebook section of the London Times. And there's a lovely section uh, on hunkering down in a world of whiteness just after the snow came. And this is what Melissa Harrison talked about in the Nature Notebook. When Storm Darcy made landfall in East Anglia last Sunday, it brought ice in its battering fists. All day long as temperatures plummeted and northeasterly raged in snow world, no sooner setting than being plucked up again and deposited somewhere else. Yet inch by inch, despite the gusts, the fields whitened and the blanket rose. The snow fell all night too, and by Monday morning a good hand span had settled. But the blizzard still wasn't done with us, and all day it carved the snowfall, whipping it down from the open fields into ghostly tornadoes and piling it chest-high drifts along the lanes. And still more snow came, sifting in deceptively tiny flakes, seemingly like nothing, when I set out for a walk, but enough by the time I got back to blur the earlier footprints I'd made. And then by five o'clock as the sun set and the gusts at least began to ease, the temperatures fell, locking the snowfall in place. Tuesday dawn, calm and revealed a world transformed. The fields were carpets of white edge by the black woodcuts of trees. The lanes were bordered by fantastical humped and sharp-edged sculptures. Finessed by the blind attention of the wind and scribbled along the blankness were clues, marks made by wild creatures we share our village with, forced unlike us to weather the storm outdoors. Around the warrens were the clustered hot marks of rabbits and scratches that showed where they dug for food under the frozen snow. A bigger set of smaller marks crossing the field showed where a hare had made for a cover of the ditch. While a fox had left a neat line of oval prints under a wire fence into, into the woods. A little heartbreakingly, the white margin of frozen puddles was uh, flagreed by the tiny prints of small birds approaching in the hopes of drink that they were turning away. Prolonged snowfall is hard to survive for many creatures and birds such as wrens, goldcrest and long-tailed tits and others perish. I went to see the badger set by the drifts around the entrances were virgin and unmarked. Badgers don't hibernate, they lay down stores of fat in autumn so they can get through blizzards without having to go out and forage. The long queues at the supermarket on Saturday had been proof that the villagers had been prepared for the storm in much the same way. Absolutely lovely, delightful, I love the nature notebook. So I'm beginning to feel that the podcast are getting, getting a sort of a, an overview, a, a sort of a, a, a thumbnail sketch of who listens to the podcast. And I think a lot of people, I mean, you know, are going about their chores whilst listening to the podcast. I think uh, my sister told me that she listens to the podcast whilst ironing. 
I hopefully she doesn't burn any of her any of her clothes while she's uh, while she's doing it. But my parents did tell me, as I said earlier on, you know, the generation, uh, the baby boomer generation, were a little bit more thrifty, um, and um, by golly, they know how to clean. So my mother was telling me, you know, for a perfect cleaning clean floor, the key, the key is to attach a scrubbing brush uh, onto a pole. I don't know if it is some sort of uh, rustic uh, type of uh, invention here, but the scrubbing brush is on a pole. It's a very stiff brush, apparently. Uh, but she said she can't get on her knees anymore and do the up and down. So you know, no, none of the none of the. Uh, no, 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 no getting into the nooks and crannies on your knees with the, with the stiff scrubbing brush. The scrubbing brush is now on a pole. So it's on a fairly long pole, stiff brush, and they go about cleaning the floor with this first, with a little bit of water. And then they move on to the, uh, the, 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 you know, the, the flash or the vim, the, the more caustic type of uh, cleaning chemical in a bucket of hot water. But this is the key, you see. I mean, everybody's into these uh, wet wipes these days. But the key is, if you can't get any hands and knees, get out a good old long pole with a stiff brush, and then uh, it'll cause all sorts of uh, uh, wonders and uh, remarkable cleaning uh, endeavours. So many people in the lockdown in the UK, and I mean, we're very lucky here in the US, we're sort of moving around more freely now, but in the UK, they, they can't go out, so they can't get their hair cut again. So there's, a, there's many a shaggy dog's, dog tail, so I was reading this article um, that was uh, that was in the Times here. So while people are uh, sh waiting uh, with shaggy impatience for the barbers to reopen, the uh, theatrical folk in the Bavarian town of Omaramaguru, and I probably messed up that name completely, have pledged to avoid scissors for a year and a half. It's internationally famous passion play, which has been performed roughly every 10 years since 1634, will open again next May, and all participants are required to observe the hair and beard decree, banning them from having it cut after Ash Wednesday in the previous year. This rule goes back to 1870 and is designed to make everybody, including the 1800 extras, look historical as well as saving the company a bundle on wigs and false beards. The only exception is for those cast as Romans, Andreas Richter, who play uh, Capias, said the decree must uh, the decree meant that over a year the townsfolk gradually turned into their characters you literally grow into a role he explained uh, and, and we're sort of wondering if they release a, a video the director's cut uh, a little bit later on in the future but i mean this is like my worst nightmare if there was a decree that i after ash wednesday that i had to let my beard grow it would drive me nuts i i, I as i always say if and when you can shave the bugger off i mean i look like a, a some sort of russian u-boat captain or german u-boat captain it's uh it's a uh, not a good look on me it's not patchy but it's sort of rather sinister and uh, slightly camp okay so i've had a little field trip now to right by my closet and we're going to have and play a game of jumper jenga now, as I said earlier, jumpers in the UK uh, are sweaters. So, uh, you know, it's not like a baby grow or anything like that. I don't go around in baby grow onesies or anything along those lines. Well, only at the weekends, perhaps. So what I'm going to do is 
I'm going to uh, take a sweater, a jumper, from the bottom of the pile stacked up and then move it to the top, as in the game of Jenga. And whichever sweater uh, makes the whole house of guards tumble is going to be the one that I'm going to donate. But I have to get rid of sweaters. I, I'm, I've got probably like 200 sweaters here. So here we go. We're going to play a lovely little game of uh, Jumper Jenga. And uh, we do have to uh, get ready to tumble. Let's get ready to tumble! Alright, so here we go. I'm gonna... Oh, oh gosh, the old bones here. The old bones, my dears. So we're gonna... We're gonna... Uh, we're going to lift the microphone up here and uh, let's uh, open up the closet. There we go. So let's, uh, we got a lovely little, lovely little purple, purple fluffy one here. So we're going to take that out, press very carefully, just very carefully here. And oh, we're going to take, oh, it's, it's stuck in here. I tell you, it's, it's, it's difficult to get yours out. So get it, it, the purple one's coming out. It's slipped out quite easily, quite easily here. And we're gonna put it right on top here. So the purple fluffy is going on top. Now we've got a gray, a sort of sleek gray sweater. I'm just gonna ease it out. Ease this little one out. Ease the silk, the gray one out. And there, we're gonna place it on top, right at the top of the pile, top of the Himalayas of sweaters. So here we go. Oh, let's, uh, all right, let's try another one here. We've got a, we've got a little short collar cardigan. Oh, this is the big daddy. The short collar cardigan. I'm just, yeah, I need to ease this. Oh, there we go, can you hear that? Oh, I'm gonna ease this one out. This is a shawl color cardigan. Oh, it's a long one, I tell you. It's like an anaconda of uh, wool being pulled out here. And I'm gonna pop that right on top. Okay, there we go. Oh no! Oh, and it all comes tumbling down. And it's the anaconda shawl color cardigan that brings the whole house of cards tumbling down. So all of a sudden, the other day, I uh, smelt the rather sort of rancid smell of horse manure. So, I, you know, I don't know if you've read about if you smell burnt toast, it means you're about to have a stroke. Or if you smell burnt toast and have a pain in your arm, you're about to have a stroke or something. So I was wondering if smelling horse manure in suburbia here uh, necessarily means anything, you know. So, I mean, is the smell of horse manure dangerous? So, you know, I thought, well, what does it mean? Is it a psychosomatic thing? But of course, I started reading, and then it told me about manure generates gases over time. The gases become more potent the longer manure is stored. This is especially true if manure is stored in an un unclosed location with no ventilation. And then apparently it produces four types of gases. I, d I didn't really want to know about uh, manure and the different gases here, particularly. Um, 
nor did I uh, nor did I want to know that the smell of horse manure can signal a dietary surplus, nutritional imbalance, or digestive uh, malfunction. If the droppings smell like rotten meat. I don't really want to know that as well. I want to know if I smell random horse manure where there's no horses around here, what does it mean? But alas, the internet and Google let me down on this occasion. But I haven't smell it, smelt it since. So maybe there was sort of some random dobbin uh, galloping along or something along these lines the other day. So I don't think I'm, I'm you know, necessarily having a brain aneurysm or anything along those lines but it, it doesn't suit my hypochondriac nature suddenly smelling horse manure on the middle of a friday morning so we do have uh we continuing to feature the enigmatic english eccentric but we actually are now having english habits rather than people um so this week we talk about the english british uh complete obsession with extreme queuing form an orderly line you may already have heard that brits are militant cures but the true extent of this national habit may still take you by surprise we don't just love queuing in shops we'll queue for anything buses events ice cream vans you name it as george mike said an englishman even if he's alone forms an orderly queue of one the great thing about queuing is it's almost a completely fair system and total alleviates the pushing and shoving you get in similar situations elsewhere. Queue jumpers, those pushing to the front of the queue before their turn, are regarded with utmost derision, and committing such a crime is highly unadvisable. You're likely to witness queuing in a variety of contexts if you come from Oxford. The famous Oxford Union, right in the city centre, is seen as some of the city's most impressive queues, as it frequently plays host to interesting speakers. When Pierce Brosnan came to speak at the Oxford Union, a queue snaked its way from the door of the Union's debating chamber all the way out of the Union grounds, around the corner, up Cornmarket Street, and as far as Clarendon Shopping Centre. So there we go. This week, our uh, enigmatic English eccentric habit is the obsession of queuing. So where did we leave our two intrepid walkers in the mist yesterday? It wasn't it wasn't gorillas in the mist, it was parents in the mist. And this sort of misty, ghostly, mysterious tale that we had yesterday, where they were taking, you know, their morning um, morning walk, their morning constitutional, and uh, the fog was rolling in. And they could see something through the mist it was some sort of apparition some took some sort of ghostly form through the mist they could see it and they were approaching it slowly but surely they didn't want to scare it or scare themselves but they were trudging through the mud in their wellingtons sodden ground sodden earth a wet misty day and as they approached this creature it wasn't moving it looked like it could be dead but as they approached it and got closer squinting through the fog they saw it was a goose the goose was resting it was taking an afternoon nap. It was tired on its feet all day, pecking away at grass and corn. 
but it got up and started moving. And Dad said, Oh, Mum, I think it was sleeping, or maybe it was just eating some corn. Well, that is absolutely beautiful. And that was the end of our misty tale. It was a goose frolicking in the fog. Okay, so now for more Trump or Trombone, where we look at some of the goddamn awful headlines of the week. And uh, we equate it to a sort of raspy uh, Trump or a wah-wah sort of sad trombone. And uh, we kick off uh, today's proceedings with... Uh, it's a gentleman who, uh, who was rushed to hospital after putting a ring on his penis in a desperate bid to make it bigger. A man's penis was left uncontrollably swollen after he tried enlarging it with a metal ring for Valentine's Day. The unnamed hopeless romantic wanted to impress his date and heard a simple trick using only the contents of his toolbox could do the job. Instead, it turned into a horror turn of events uh, and they had to slice through a metal cutter. So uh, basically, he decided to uh, put a put a, you know, a medium size. I'm going to give him some some hope and uh, uh, restitution here. It was a medium sized nut that he uh, that he put onto his penis. Um, and I'm not going to look anymore because I don't really want to see the picture of it particularly uh, without uh, with a doubt. I mean, what's next? I mean, people go into hospital having all sorts of things removed. But what's next? A wrench wank? A five knuckle saw shuffle? Or maybe you'll just say screw it and just try the Phillips. We have Pablo Escobar's bizarre legacy of cocaine hippos. Uh, amid renewed calls to uh, to cull the uh, to cull the zoo, he used some of his illicit gains to build an illegal private zoo of full of exotic critters, including these uh, potentially deadly African beasts. And when he was shot dead in 1993, the huge hippos had been left to roam around the tropical wetlands near his old house. I mean, I don't know if uh, if the hippos have been snorting any of the white stuff he used to sell. Um, the high hippos sound sort of discomforting to me, but how about the aggrieved acid trip alligator or the sharp swimming skunk? Now, these are truly stupid animal tricks. And then we have an eerie abandoned mansion belonging to Coco Chanel full of booze and debris. An urban explorer has revealed what it's like inside the derelict Rose Hall house where Coco Chanel lived in the 1920s, but it's remained unoccupied for the last uh, 54 years, apparently. Uh, there seems to be a whiff of Le d'Apparition, a, uh, a scented spirit. The winter collection is for an eternity. More hoot cat purr than hoot couture. And the red carpet would definitely be a bloody scarlet. And then we have skeletons of six pirates discovered aboard a 300-year-old shipwreck of the infamous vessel. The remains of six crew members of the Widar, the ship of the notorious Captain Black Sam Bellamy, which sank in 1717, have been discovered off the coast of New England. Allegedly, they were actually ancient pirate influencers who plunged to their death as they were looking for the perfect picture up the crow's nest, a little too close to the cavernous ocean on the selfie plank. 
and artificial intelligence could let humans talk to animals in real life Dr. Doolittles. So much effort has gone into teaching systems such as Siri and Alexa to understand us. AI to decode animal communication could be the logical next step and we could be talking to George or Maggie or Jack or Zelda or whoever it is. I think it's much more likely that we'll be talking to dogs before the artificial intelligence is sophisticated enough that we could have an intelligent discussion with the real housewives of Timbuktu or wherever they come from. And for those with a sensitive disposition, tune away for the next 10 seconds. Uh, fetish models are selling uh, undercarriage scented masks uh, and charge double if they're stained. One mask seller explains how she wears uh, her underwear for 24 hours before, before sending them on to her customers, but charges double if the mask is stained. I mean, apparently it's a breathable mask, avoiding pent-up moisture and humidity, but provides winter warmth, hairy on the outside, and silky smooth on the inside, with no chafing. Guaranteed. Okay, so, plenty of snow recently all over the world. But here in suburbia, uh, fairly near Chappie Towers, uh, we, uh, we often see... Uh, the is almost synchronized uh, snow blowing, snow plowing, snow shoveling. I mean, it's it's like clockwork. Uh, but there's one gentleman who has not only a very large snow plow. Um, it, it's gas driven, petrol driven, but uh, but he also um, he has about five or six different types of snow shovels. It's like when the barber comes out and he has different clippers, some for the sideboards. Uh, sideburns some for the back hair some for the nasal hair you know maybe the turkish barber sticks a uh, candle candle wick up your nose and burns away the nose hair i mean this guy is prepared for everything i mean he has it's almost like he has uh from a five iron to a nine iron in terms of snow shovels different shapes different stiffness different sharpness you know to get the perfect perfect you know perfect movement slick movement through the snow to scrape away all that dastardly snow from his driveway so he go you know you see him on his little snow plow to begin with you know puffing along here god knows what it's doing to the environment so he's doing that first and then then you know it's like taking a it's like taking a um a chainsaw to a mullet basically so he's, he's getting rid of all the snow and then he, then he then he tidies away the edges with these little little snow shovels as well, very carefully. Doesn't want any snow, no ice, no snow on his whole driveway. And this takes about an hour. Hasn't he got anything better to do? I mean, just go and make some pancakes. Go back to bed. Tell a joke. You know, I don't know. Read the newspaper. But there he is, with his little little snow shovels getting all the ice away from every little nook and cranny. All right, so we have the continued saga of the Yak Tracks. Now, I do love my Yak Tracks, they're great in the snow. But as the snow starts to melt, some of the metal pieces do get stuck in the sidewalk, the pavement, the roadway, and then they come off my foot. So I was sort of wondering, I don't know if I'm going to do this or not. I mean, you don't want to see a, a fairly large chap with stilettos on. But I'm wondering if, like the 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 extra sharp stiletto heel, would be uh, would be excellent in the snow and ice. Does it pin you to the pavement or the sidewalk as you're walking along? I mean, it, and even if you, if you wear the red stilettos, you don't need a flashlight in the snow. It lights your way if you're wearing the red stilettos. But I have a feeling that 
and, and, and ladies or mantelpieces, whoever wears the stilettos, correct me if I'm wrong, the, 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 you know, the sharpness of the stiletto heel stops you from slipping over. Is this true? I mean, I don't know. I've never worn a pair of stilettos. I know it's surprising to you all. Went to boarding school, you never wear a pair of stilettos. You know, no stockings or suspenders, no stilettos. And, um, but do they provide a good traction? Because it's like having a pick on your heel, basically, that that, uh, that holds you up, basically. And uh, I think ladies are a better balance than us gentlemen. But uh, do the stilettos help you with the traction? I mean, it, somebody do a public service experiment uh, over the next few weeks in ice walking. See if the stiletto is better than the act track. I mean, now I'm delving on the whole Instagram thing. Keep calm and cauliflower cheese on Instagram, by the way, app keep cheese on Twitter. Now, I'm getting odd messages. I'm getting messages from bots, cyborgs. I, I don't know. I don't know if these people are real. But I got a real real message the other day um, from what I would like to call a bearded bear bro. Now, this, uh, this chap must have looked at my Instagram feed and it probably tickled his fancy. So I look at this guy and he, he looks like he hasn't shaved since Ash Wednesday. He's got the ZZ Top beard, uh, a sort of come hither stare, and made me feel, you know, a little bit uncomfortable, I have to say. You know, I had to uh, look over my shoulder now when I'm taking the dogs out for a walk. But he had the biggest marijuana farm I've ever seen. There was weed everywhere. Weed coming out of his ears, weed in his beard, probably weed in his back hair. I mean, I don't know where he's storing this stuff, but it was absolutely everywhere. Oodles and oodles of weed everywhere. And um, there he was messaging a humble British butler, uh, basically saying, what's up, bro? Now, I, I don't understand the bro talk. I just don't get the bro talk. I mean, maybe I need an education in a bro talk. I'm more of a sort of firm handshake, sort of a little pat on the back and a firm handshake, as I'm used to. The sort of bro handshake with the thumbs and all getting tangled up is a little bit gooey for me, I think. But uh, there we go. That's what I get. Bearded, bearded bear bros on Instagram messaging your dear chappy. And going back to the subject of FOMO on Instagram as well, there's a lot of Instagram chaps I've noticed, you know, and they obviously have the timestamp on their photographs. They're, they're, they're in exotic locations. They're in Goa and the Maldives and the Bahamas and Costa Rica. Now, what I've noticed, you know, and all these guys are sort of blinking to me. I don't know why people, uh, you know, link to one on Instagram. But a lot of these guys are in the Bahamas, Costa Rica. And I've noticed that a lot of these guys, obviously are doing very well for themselves, are bald men. So I'm wondering if bald men are more focused about success because they don't have to style their hair every day. I mean, I'm just wondering if hair is blocking my ambition. Oh dear, we never got round to, uh, if you're going commando, make sure you still use your deodorant stick. And I'm not going to tell you where to roll the deodorant stick, but just use your imagination. It's important, you know, sweaty Bettys, Betty Swallocks and all of that. So um, that's it for the podcast today, for this weekend. We've had a double, we've had a double whammy. I mean, yesterday we uh, were looking at pancakes and my sort of pancake fetish. 
Uh, today we've got on to all sorts of nonsensical subjects. So I hope you've enjoyed it. I will be back again next Friday. We do Friday and Saturdays now. Keep coming, cauliflower cheese. Lovely to have you here. Lovely for your com comments. Like and subscribe is always wondrous. And uh, we finish, as always, with a nice little poem. The snow is gone from cottage tops, the thatch moss glows in brighter green and ease in quick succession drops where grinning ides once have been pit-patting we a pleasant noise in tubs set by the cottage door and ducks and geese we happy joys douse in the yard pond brimming o'er the sun peeps through the window pane which children mark with laughing eye and in the wet streets steal again to tell each other spring is nigh and as young hopes the past recalls in playing groups will often draw building beside the sunny walls their spring play huts of stricks in store and often pleasures dream they high round homesteads in the village side scatting the hedge-grown mosses by where painted pooty shells abide mistakenly off the ivy spray for leaves that come with bidding spring and wondering if in search for play why birds delay to build and sing the milkmaid singing leaves her bed as glad as happy thoughts can be while magpies chatter o'er her head as jocund in the chains as she her cows around the closest stray, nor lingering wait the foddering boy, tossing the molehills in their play and starting round in frolic joy. Ploughmen go whistling to their toils and yoke again the rested plough, and mingling over the mellow soils, boys shout and whips are noising now. The shepherd's now is often seen by warm banks o'er his work to bend, a woe gate to style to lean, chattering to a passing friend. Odd hive bees fancy in winter o'er, oh, and dreaming in their combs of spring, creeps on the slab beside the door, and stokes upon its legs upon the wing, while wild ones harp asleep are humming round snowbell bells a feeble note, and pigeons coo of summer coming, picking their feathers on the cot. The barking dods by lane and wood drive sheep afraid by froddering ground and echo in a summer mood, bristling mocks the cheery sound. The flocks as the prison broke shake their wet fleeces in the sun while following fast a misty smoke reeks the moist grass as they run. Nor more behind his master's heels, the dog creeps over his winter pace, but cocks his tail, and o'er the fields run many a wild and random chase, following in spite of chidding calls, the startled cat with harmless glee, scaring up the weed-green walls or mossy mottled apple tree. The gossips saunter in the sun as a spring from door to door of matters in the village done, and secret newsings muttered o'er oh, young girls when they each other meet will stand their tales of love to tell, where going on errands down the street or fetching water from the well. Nature soon sickens her joys and is sad and dumb again, save merry shouts of sliding boys about the frozen furrowed plain. The foddering boy forgets his song and silent goes with folded arms, and crudling shepherds bend along, crouching to the whizzing storms.